0: Corpus Christi, that is, the body of Christ. Christians believe, Catholics specifically, the Orthodox, that the, the Christ is present uh, completely in the sacrament of the Eucharist, a body and soul, uh, divinity, human nature, all somehow present in this sacrament, but not the Christ that lived 2,000 years ago, the Christ re- risen from the dead, the Christ who lived 2,000 years ago as he is today at the right hand of the Father. Remember how the mystery started with the, uh, uh, the resurrection of Christ and then his ascension where he went to the right hand of the Father but never left us. Then he sent the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that confects the, cor- the body of Christ, the sacrament we celebrate um, at Mass then the, the, the mystery of the Holy Trinity, uh, God's divine life, one God, three divine persons, and it's the Feast of Corpus Christi, which is how all of the mystery, the Paschal mystery, comes to us every day at mass. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross was there for us as an oblation, a sacrifice, An oblation is the sacrifice where the lamb is offered to God, but part of it is given to the people to eat. That's why Jesus is the lamb of God. The sacrifice, remember, was accepted in the ascension. Um, God uh, took Christ up to himself. It wasn't that he bestowed his divinity on Christ then, because he was always the son of God. But it's a visible sign for us that the sacrifice on the cross Is accepted. The oblation is where the sacrifice is offered to God, but the priests get to eat part of the sacrifice also. And so, for we Catholics, the part that we eat in our Christian experience as the priesthood of Christ is the oblation meal at the Eucharist, where we actually participate in the sacrament. We don't recreate the sacrifice of the cross. We participate in the one and only sacrifice of the cross, a meal that uh, stretches out until Christ comes again. Now, it's important to understand the Eucharist in the context of the Mass, because the Mass is something more than just a prayer service. The Mass is a liturgical participation in the life of Christ. When Jesus came and became man, he came to do four things according to the catechism of the Catholic Church. The first thing is he came to reconcile us to God, and that's the forgiveness of sins. We become forgiven sinners, and in being forgiven sinners, we become a church of forgiven forgivers. But the purgative way, that is, the way of reconciliation its not just enough to be sorry for sin. We have to have a firm purpose of amendment because sin will always distort how we see God. So Jesus came to reconcile us to himself, to forgive sins, to give us the opportunity to change. Or as Jesus says, repent, metanoia. Get beyond where your minds are now. Think about your life differently. So the second thing that Jesus came to do was to reveal God to us. That's what Pope Benedict uh, says in the introduction of Christianity. He came to reveal the God of love. And so we have the uh, Feast of the Trinity, which is the God who is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have the God who is love revealed in Christ crucified in his trust in God the Father, and his forgiveness of his persecutors. And so we claim we know something about the interior life of God, God ad intra, the God of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the dynamic reality of love that is the ground of our being. The third thing that Jesus came to do was to give us an example of holiness of life. It wasn't just enough that we're forgiven sins. It's not enough that we have this understanding of who God is. But that example of Jesus walking in the world, his holiness of life, Rabbi Jesus tells us how we're to encounter the distortions of reality, how we're to encounter them with charity, and how it is that we're supposed to live our life and trust in God. The importance of the scriptures and the example of Christ, the example of holiness that the saints tried to emulate. It's really where the theological um, virtues of poverty, chastity, and obedience, that is the evangelical virtues of poverty, chastity, and obedience come from. Um, The idea of we're not owned by anything. Um, The idea that we listen to the word of God, uh, to the authority of the church. Um, That's how we celebrate poverty and obedience in chastity, in marriage, through natural family planning or control of our desires for the celibate priest and the single person by simply uh, exploring the capacity to love others in a non-sexual way. And so we come up to the fourth reason Jesus came. Remember the first three reasons? To reconcile us to the Father, to reveal God as love, and to give us an example of holiness. The fourth is to make us partakers of the divine nature. Um, in Latin, we call it deification. In the, the church in the East, in Greek, it's theosis. Theosis, as in Dei is God, Theos is God. It's how we become partakers. A partaker is someone who cannot possess. You can only partake what is given. Remember the story of Genesis where Adam and Eve try to take the fruit of the tree and why? because they're tempted by Satan. He says, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because if you do, you'll become like him. And they want to take. And so they want to replace God in the world. But theosis and deification isn't taking divinity. It's partaking, it's given to you. As the Eucharist is put in your open hands, so union with God is given. You can only receive what is given you cannot take for yourself. This is the doctrine of deification. Now think about it in terms of the three stages of the interior life, purgation, illumination, and unification. You may have heard of this, but all Catholic spirituality is built around purgation. We think of purgatory, being purged of sin. Why? That we might be open to the life of Christ, the holiness of God, the love of God, Illumination, it changes how we think about things. It's why the sacrament of baptism was was a sacrament of enlightenment, of illumination. You become someone else. Metanoia, your mind changes because you've been forgiven. The illuminative way. It's what we see in the life of the saints. It's why we read scripture. It's why we read spiritual uh, books by doctors of the church. And why purgation? Why illumination? And so that we can experience and be aware of the presence of God in our life, unification, the interior presence of God. Because being free from sin, uh, understanding who God is, this is the foundation for how it is you become part of God. You partake in divinity. It's not just a one-way street where you do Pure The purgation, then you get illuminated, then you're unified, and you're done. That's not how it works. It's like in that commercial about scrubbing bubbles. uh, Purgation, illumination, and unification are always at work in our life. And so if you think about all of those things, that three-part understanding of your life in God, of purgation, illumination, and unification, embodies in your body what Christ came to do, to reconcile, to reveal God love, to be the example of holiness for your life so that you might be a partaker. Let's talk a little bit about this deification or theosis because we don't speak about it a lot, but it's everywhere in Scripture. If you read the first letter of John chapter 3, you'll read this. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. How can you know somebody? Because you see in them something you love. Why do you fall in love? Because you see virtues in other people that you want for yourself. You never fall in love with the evil in another person or the brokenness in another person. You accept it charitably and lovingly. But what fires your love is that you see something of God in them. Or how about this from Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Through these he has bestowed on us the precious and very great promises, so that through them you may come to share in the divine nature. After escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire, you he came so that you could, according to St. Peter, Share in his divine nature. Or just look at the example of the saints for that. Or here's St. Paul in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time had come, this is the apocalypse, God sent his son, uh, born of a woman. Apocalypse means to be revealed. So it's God coming as a man born of a woman. It's how Paul talks about Mary. Born under the law to ransom those under the law so that we might receive adoption. As proof that you are children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. You go into somebody's house and they have their natural children or their adopted children. In a house of love, they are just the children. Christ is Son by divine nature. We are Son by the adoption of grace. This is this little part that Luther took, but that the idea of it is is that in each of us, God sees the divine image, and that divine image is, is Christ, but not by our nature, but by grace. And so the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, these are the sacraments that uh, give us the relationship to God of being a son. But deification is present in all the gospels. Remember what Jesus says in John chapter six, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no life in you because God is life. And so to participate in the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ through your reception of the Eucharist is to participate in, um, in the divine nature, body and soul. God just didn't come to save our souls. But Remember, we rise bodily transformed in the risen Christ. Or in John chapter 15, do you remember that Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. It's because to be rooted in the divine life is to participate in Christ. The church can do nothing except to the extent that it's rooted in Christ. Or Matthew 25, do you remember Matthew, or is it Matthew 24? But it's the, he says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was in prison and you visited me. When did we see you naked or hungry or thirsty uh, or in prison, Lord, and visit you? He says, when you did this to the least of my brethren, You did it to me. It's why we care for the body of Christ as Christ's risen body, because Jesus is unified in the bodies of those we uh, care for, especially within the church. And it's why division, and uh, this viciousness amongst Catholics is a sin against the body of Christ. Or how about in Acts? Do you remember when Paul is converted on the road to Damascus and he hears the voice? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you that I should persecute you? Jesus of Nazareth, the voice says, because Paul has been persecuting Christians. But all of this is about the church dealing with this mystery revealed by Christ, this mystery of adoption, of deification, of theosis. And to walk with Christ in Scripture and in your life and to be illuminated by these mysteries of the scriptures so that you see yourself as part of the story reacting to the the Lord, the way the disciples react to the Lord, experiencing the Lord, the way the disciples experience him, not just in sacrament, but in all the days of our life and in the midst of prayer, in our marriages, in our families, our workplace, our care for the poor. And so, There's three ways that you can orient to God. You can think of yourself as a slave. I think Islam has always talked about it like that, or at least I'm told that Muslims talk about it like that. They cannot see divine filiation, filiation to be a son. They can't see that. They see themselves as simply having to do God's will. Um, Does a slave love the slave owner? That's a question to ask. You could see yourself as a soldier, right? That you're on a campaign that you might share in the spoils of the victory. And these are things that are also present, run through an understanding in scripture. But the problem of being a soldier as a metaphor is that uh, if you're just there like a mercenary for the spoils, you're there because you don't want to go to hell, It's, it's not a participation in God. Uh, it's always going to be a limited relationship. You know, when people say, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, I would say, not good enough. I want to be in communion with God. And it's true that to some extent we experience the Lord in scripture, like we experience another human being and we learn in a very human way, all true. But when we limit it to just that, then we can't make sense of scriptures like I read from 1 John, 2 Peter, Galatians, or any of the gospels where Jesus describes what it means to be an adopted son of God. So we're made to be sons. And what that means is for male and female is we're made to be the image of Christ. Because remember, when God made us, he made us male and female, that's what a human looks like. So think about it in the liturgy. Why do you come to Mass? Why is returning to Mass so important? Do you remember what I said about the purgative, the illuminative, and the the unitive way? Think about your experience of coming to Mass. How do we always start? Oh, my God, I am sorry for having offended you. Um, I confess to Almighty God, to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, blessed Mary ever virgin, all the angels and saints, and you my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. And then we say our prayer. That is the purgative way in mass. What's it lead us to? Well the liturgy of the the word, the illuminative way. We listen to God revealed in the Old Testament in the Psalms, did you you hear uh, the psalm, a Hallel psalm today? And it says um, that uh, the one who sings the psalm, and this is the psalm that Jesus would have sung going across the Kidron Valley after the Last Supper, a Hallel psalm is you sing it at Passover, and he says, It refers to the son of your handmaid. And the son of your handmaid is referring to the blessed, our blessed lady, that even our blessed lady finds her place in the Passover mystery. And so the illuminative way, hopefully, maybe touches our hearts, makes us think about our lives differently, um, makes us see our sins more clearly but not despair of them. But most importantly, maybe it's the spur to live faith hope and charity better to be inspired to live the evangelical uh, councils of simplicity of life of um, obedience to the to the voice of god especially made um, present in the teaching of the church and um, to learn to love our chastity how we learn to love each other in a way that is not simply about gratification but instead that our love for others lifts up all of our appetites into a higher way of loving our neighbor. And then the unitive way, right? Um, We go through the purgative way, then the illuminative way in listening to the word of God. We profess our faith. And then we go through the Eucharistic prayer and the reception of communion. The actual experience of unity in Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. Why is it a great feast to remind us that this is the end of human life, the purpose of it, the telos, why we were made to become partakers in the divine image, because God made us in his own image. We've fallen, we've fallen into sin, but God is bringing us back to his creative purpose where he is creating sons. You know, one of the things in the liturgy that often I think goes by people, if you remember when the priest is preparing the uh, bread and the wine and he says blessed are you lord god of all creation through your goodness we have this bread to offer which earth has given and human hands have made will become for us the bread of life and remember you all say blessed be god forever and then the priest usually in a low voice puts wine into the chalice and then as he's pouring the water and he says by the mingling of this water and wine may we come to share in the divinity of christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. It's the doctrine of deification present right as we begin the unitive way in mass. So ourselves mingled with divinity and the way water mingles in with wine cannot be separated. thank you for listening to Oro Valley Catholic and this has been Father John Arnold and to think of the Mass as the way par excellence that we participate in the purgative, illuminative, and unitive way. And then we go out into the world and we work against sin in our life. We try to understand God's will in our life and we try to experience God's love and how we interact in our families and the larger world. Preparing for something more and that is the kingdom of heaven. And so, enjoy Corpus Christi. God bless you.